0: Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast, supporting musicians' health and wellbeing in partnership with Help Musicians. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this final episode of the series, we're going to be talking about the challenges involved in returning to live performance. We're recording this in early June 2021, when smaller gigs have just started to get going again and festivals are booked for the summer. After so long without live music, this is brilliant news, but for the performers, returning to the stage after timeout can be incredibly stressful. Later on, I'll be speaking to Claire Cordo, director of BAPAM, the British Association for Performing Arts Medicine. Claire tells me about some of the issues musicians are facing with the return to playing live, as well as the services that you can access for free that can help. I'll also be speaking to tour manager Susie Green, who has a background in health and supports artists such as Katie Melua on the road. Susie tells me how she supports her artists so they can stay fit and strong for performance and gives advice on how you can do that too, so stick around for that. But first, although we're currently talking about the return to music after a pandemic, musicians can also have career breaks for many other different reasons. This was the case for our guest Lauren Aquilina who was signed by a major label in her teens and then decided to take a break for mental health reasons after her debut album was released in 2016. I met Lauren shortly after this in 2017. I remember finding her story about the circumstances leading up to her career break really shocking and the lack of support she had was a driver behind some of the work that I've done since to change this, including this podcast. So it was great to speak to Lauren again and she shared her experience of returning to live performance after those years out. So let's hear from Lauren. So Lauren, firstly, how have you been over the last 18 months? How has this time been for you?
1: It's been very up and down as I'm I'm sure it has for most people. It was really scary at first, especially because I was in LA at the time when everything got locked down. So I was in I mean not a foreign place because I've spent time in LA but I was I was far away from my family and the only person I like really really knew was my boyfriend and then I sort of knew my roommates but not as well as I would have wanted to in that situation. I was living in LA and I was supposed to go back in May of last year but I ended up not going back until October so I was here for quite a lot longer time than I thought and during that time once we all become familiar with like the pandemic and realized that this wasn't something that was going away actually it turned into a positive thing for me creatively you know creatively I've had the best 18 months of my life which feels really weird because it's been alongside this obviously really difficult thing that's been happening and I'm a huge empath as well so anytime there's like negative stuff going on in the world, I'm reading bad news or people around me are struggling. I absorb a lot of that energy and have definitely had like bouts of depression during this pandemic as well. Sort of like month or two month long episodes that I'll kind of have to pull myself out of. It's definitely like changed me in a lot of ways. Like I don't think I will ever go back to how I was living and working before the pandemic. So, it's been quite eye opening as well as being quite difficult at times.
0: So, can you tell me how you think
1: you'll change your working life from here on? I retired from music in 2016 because of my mental health and had to take a year off. So, since then, I've always been like super aware of my mental health and checking in with myself. But I think this added like an- another level to it because. My main job is that I'm a songwriter. I write songs for other people. And what that means is that I basically go to a different person's studio. Or what well, this is what I was doing. I was going to a different person's studio every day of the week. Sometimes working six or seven days a week. Really long hours. Not very focused kind of work. In terms of like I was just meeting a lot of new people. Trying things out. And I don't think I will ever do that again. I don't think I'll ever work like six days a week again for a prolonged period of time. I don't think I want to write with hundreds of different people a year. I really want it to be more focused on specific people and relationships and situations where I feel comfortable and I feel like I can be my most creative self. So that's probably the biggest change for me that's come out of the the lockdown. What has helped you through this time? I actually started therapy during the pandemic. I started about 6 months ago, and that has definitely been helpful even though it's it feels new for me and it still feels a bit scary. I still get I still get anxious before every therapy session, but I think that that's been really good just for even just for me to know that there's something I'm doing once a week that's just for me and that's like me investing in myself and in my mental well-being and then also just like talking to to my friends and my family and other other people who you know knew what I was going through going through similar things and just like just like really trying to foster those like deep relationships with the people that I trust even though I was in LA and quite far away from all of my Best friends and stuff I was like I was talking to them a lot and you know we were all going through the same emotions and feelings and just like I'm not usually a super open person but I think that it's forced me to be more open with how I'm feeling and like process things out loud so that's been like a bit of a revelation for me over the past 18 months as well really.
0: And how are you feeling about the future? are you looking to the future sort of planning I know you said you're going to do less songwriting sessions but in terms of you as an artist do you think you'll do much live performance again or do you think you'll change the way you work completely
1: I think that I will perform live again but I think it's going to be completely on my own terms however I'm doing it I think that I know that I'm I don't do well when there's like a long tour and there's like a bunch of shows in a row I just I don't deal well with that so I think I know I'd love to do like one-off kind of headline shows in in some of the major cities where like I can see that my fan base is but at the end of the day like I've I've been in music long enough to know how things make me feel and I know that the thing that makes me feel best is the is the writing and recording so I can see that being Like 80 or 90% of my life for the next few years, because that's, I'm just, I'm enjoying it so much, and that's where I feel really good.
0: A lot of people have had this period where they've completely stopped music and they're really concerned about how they'll return, what a return will look like. Whereas, of course, you had your break and then you came back. Could you tell me a bit about how? What it was like going away from music and then sort of coming again, making the decision to come back, how it felt returning to live music again for the first time, how it felt even just, in, you know, re-kind of integrating yourself back into the music industry environment. Could you
1: tell me all about those things? It was absolutely terrifying because it had, you know, pre-2016, the music industry had completely knocked me out. I felt very defeated by the whole thing and it was a really big deal and really scary for me to come back. And I don't think I could have done it without the support of my manager who's been incredible. So I like took a year off and then I like kind of parted ways with all of my team at the time and like told them all that I wasn't going to do music anymore. And then a year later I got this email from this guy who's now my manager, and he he was the person who encouraged me to do songwriting, to try it out as a career. That wasn't even something that I'd ever thought could be an option for me. And he has been so instrumental in just, like, keeping me going, checking in with how I'm doing, like, every day, making sure that I'm comfortable and that I'm feeling good and like building up my confidence again as a songwriter, as an artist. But when I first started working with him and when I first started songwriting for other people, I felt like a complete imposter, like an outsider, like a, I wasn't qualified to be there. And I also had this weird thing of like, I was thinking about how the industry as a whole was perceiving me and I had it this big thing in my head that everyone was just perceiving me as like, a failed major label artist that hadn't worked out and probably, probably, like, making fun of me thinking, oh, she thinks, like, she can be a songwriter now when it obviously didn't work out for her the first time. Even though that was, like, I'm pretty sure that was entirely in my head. That was, like, a very real thing for me for the first year. So I felt like I felt like I had a lot to prove to people. It took me, you know, another another two years to actually come back and do my first show and to like build up the confidence to do that. But when I did that, I think I was I was extremely lucky that I had this fan base that had was somewhat still there and had been waiting for me to come back. And then when I announced my first show back at the Camden Assembly, it sold out I think in, in like 60 seconds or something which was like the biggest confidence boost for me <laughs> going into the show and knowing that everyone there was like a diehard fan who had been waiting so I couldn't have asked for like a better first show back really because I you know I just knew that I was like so supported by by the audience and I felt so much love and it was like the best way for me to get back into it and then after that I was able to do some like runs of shows and I I did a US tour after that which I'd never done in my life before but like that first show like again just gave me that foundation of confidence to start again as a live performer. How did you prepare for that first show? I did three days of rehearsals, three full days of rehearsals just for one show. It was always a thing for me before that whenever I had a show, especially if it was a London show, for some reason because they would really stress me out even more I would actually get sick like before the show like my body would have this reaction to how nervous I was and like how stressed out I was and actually I would get like a cold or have a, a tonsillitis or something and that did happen again <laughs> the first show back I remember it like the day before I was like oh my god my throat's really sore I somehow managed to kind of mentally power through it because I was a bit older and I had a bit more awareness of my mind and, and how it works and what I needed to do to just kind of like calm myself down. So I did a lot of breathing. I did some kind of like meditation stuff to to get ready for that show and just get myself in a comfortable enough place that I could do it. But it was it was really scary.
0: I've heard a lot of people who are very very scared about returning to performance you know having been through a career break and and coming back have you got any advice or anything that you found particularly helpful
1: I think like just doing everything that you can to be as comfortable as possible in those moments before you're about to go on stage and whatever whatever those are for each individual person but for me it's like knowing that I'm well enough rehearsed like making sure that I booked enough rehearsal days with my band and stuff that I felt like I could get back into the swing of it without rushing myself and then just creating a comfortable environment like in the dressing room or wherever you are before the show having those like comforts that everybody has their like pre-show things like I always have lemon and ginger tea or like a throat coat tea and I know for me that I like I don't like eating before I go on stage and just like following those those rituals that are going to make you feel as comfortable in your body as possible any like vocal warm ups or breathing exercises and like listening to your body but I think for for most people it's like you don't lose the ability of how to do it it's like once you have performed live you're always gonna keep getting better even if there's been a a gap between your performances and stuff you're always going to remember how to do it and you want to try and create an environment where you can have fun because you don't want to think afterwards oh my god I've spent all that money on my band or on my outfit for the show or whatever and then I like didn't actually get to enjoy it after I've waited so long to do it. I know you said that going forward you want
0: to have a less busy schedule in terms of your songwriting is there anything that you're slightly concerned about or are you feeling quite excited about that
1: i'm mostly excited i'm a little bit scared of just like by the time fingers crossed we get to the end of this year and we're somewhat back to normal in some way i know it's never going to be the same but you know as close as to back to normal as it's going to get the new normal i'm a little bit worried that you know within the music industry people have been so deprived that people are just going to start going too hard again and like pushing their limits again which like the problem is that when when one artist or a few artists or songwriters or, or whoever just start pushing that limit of how hard they can go it has this like ripple effect and then everybody else feels like they have to go as hard <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of worried about that also in terms of like the the socializing aspect of the music industry and like going to gigs every night and partying and like that kind of thing I'm just like I'm very aware that I need to be checking in with myself about what I can handle and what I can and all that side of things but I've in general I'm I'm just really excited I'm so excited to go and watch live music again that's like one of the things that I've missed the most like even though I have a love-hate relationship with actually doing shows myself I love going to shows and that's also how I like get inspired in music so I can't wait for that part
0: That was Lauren Aquilina, and you can hear her new EP, Ghost World, on her website, laurenaquilina.com. We'd like to thank Help Musicians for their support in bringing you this episode. They're an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support, The charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Claire Cordeaux is the director of BAPAM and she's also a musician herself, so she understands the difficulties of returning to live performance on both a personal and professional level. Claire and I were part of a panel recently for the Americana Music Association about the impact COVID had had on performers. Claire's insights about what Bapham had seen throughout the pandemic were fascinating, particularly with regard to preparing for performance again. So I'm really pleased that she was able to come and share her expertise with us. Let's hear from Claire. The last 18 months have obviously been incredibly difficult for musicians. What are some of the issues that you've seen at Bapham over the last year?
2: March the 17th was when we stopped doing face to face appointments and started to do online remote consultations. And actually, when I look back at the data on what happened, there was calls stopped, emails stopped, the whole thing kind of fell off a cliff. And I think what was happening is that everybody was scared, shocked, concerned about their income, the phone calls to and emails to hardship funds went up. And I think everybody was much more concerned about how on earth do I get food on the table, pay my rent, All of those sorts of things. And so we then started to get calls building back probably around June, July onwards. And we ended the year having done as much as we normally would. But there there was that sort of hiatus for us at, at, at that point. And what we've seen is a drop in people presenting with musculoskeletal issues. So all of the physical injuries that musicians often get as a result of intense use of their body to perform their art and an increase in mental health. We still see more musculoskeletal presentations than we do mental health. But if I just give you a sense that about 15% of our callers presented with a mental health issue in 2019, and it was up to 31% in 2020 or and certainly towards the end of 2020 so a really significant increase in mental health problems the other things that people come to see us for tend to be vocal health and hearing health and and those have stayed largely the same so those are the four areas that we we look at but actually Over the lockdown period we've also had people come because they can't get access to the NHS where there are ongoing issues and and people are concerned about them and can't get to see the clinician that they normally would. Quite often they've been calling us and we've also had people with long Covid as well.
0: And so how have BAPAM been able to help with all these different issues that have been presenting in
2: lockdown? We started doing all remote assessments. So just on a technical basis, we had to completely swap over how we delivered our care. Now we see 50% of people outside London, which before it was 40%. So clearly it's much more accessible as a technique. How we deal with some of the health issues that are being presented. I mean, long COVID obviously is an evolving thing. We're learning more and more about that every day. So, I mean, the NHS is the right place to go if you can get access to one of the clinics. But I think we have been able to help in some cases with offering psychosocial support. Apart from all the physical issues, it's very traumatic to have that potentially long term change to what you're now able to consider doing that you didn't expect. And, you know, you've got breathlessness or heart problems or Voice problems, or however it's hit you, and you don't know how long that's going to go on for because we've not had this disease in our population for long enough to know what the likely impact is going to be. So, we've been able to provide some psychosocial support, which I think has been helpful. And in some cases, our vocal health specialists are very good at supporting around vocal health and are building up their expertise as well. So we help where we can, but, you know, we're not the NHS and the NHS is trying to bring together that expertise.
0: So with the proposed return to live performance, which has started for some people, have you seen the nature of the issues that people are coming to you with change? Have you seen a lot of anxiety about that?
2: Yes, I mean, I think there are two things. We're seeing quite a lot of performance anxiety, people thinking, how on earth can I do that again? How do you build up for that? And of course, you know, practicing for a live performance when there's no opportunity just to do that friendly local gig, you know, those opportunities aren't there. So you have to go from sort of zero to 100 miles an hour. And it's difficult to build yourself up to that. So so I think people are concerned about that and so we've been able to offer some mental health support in that area and then of course for people who hadn't necessarily been practicing all the time then there's that sudden kind of ramp up of physical practice and and so there have been a few overuse sort of issues where you know I hadn't been practicing much and now suddenly I've got this gig so I've been doing it and now my hands are causing me trouble what can I do So, yeah, we've had had a few of those and obviously vocal health issues. I think it's not until you start to practice in earnest that you discover actually that there was something that you didn't really realise was there. Whereas if you've been going along your usual live gigs, lots of practice, intense schedule that most musicians have, you'd probably have noticed that earlier. I know you
0: touched on imposter syndrome there. And I think also that links in. Quite well, for example, with singers. I know if you haven't been practicing a long time, you can come back to singing and your voice can sound quite different. Lauren mentioned in her interview that she felt a bit like an imposter when she returned to live performance. And I just wondered if you what you had heard about this and whether, you know, musicians' identities were affected by not performing.
2: I think right at the beginning everyone was almost paralysed. You know, what do I do? How do I do it? Who am I if I'm not a musician if I can't practice my art what does that make me who who am I can I go back is there any point to practicing if I'm never going to be able to perform again so lots of people who just had kind of lost the will or the motivation to pick up an instrument we certainly did see that and then you're coming back from that really very low point into trying to build yourself up to be that person that you were. So I think we do see that quite a lot. And I mean, our clinicians have been helpful in giving some advice and and also produce various blogs. And, and one of the things is just, you know, don't push yourself too much. Build up your stamina as you go. Don't feel you have to come out with your most complicated piece in the first gig. Keep it simple. Everybody's just going to be so pleased to hear live music again. Give yourself the best chance to get back and to build up your confidence because actually you are going to be building up that stamina as you perform.
0: Are there any strategies or things that you recommend for people to do to return to live performance in a healthy way?
2: Try to build up your stamina, build up your physical fitness. Don't sort of jump at it all at once. Try and build that up and and don't over over practice don't you know take breaks don't get into that overuse situation develop the techniques which might help you with any performance anxiety there's a bit of time there has been a bit of time to do that so so try and develop that practice so it's there when you need it you know what you're going to do you're not going to be surprised by it We've mentioned some of the repertoire stuff, start with simple stuff and just some of the usual things, you know, get good sleep while you're not having to play at two in the morning. Keep hydrated, especially we've got lovely hot weather at the minute. And also just think about how to plan, how to plan whatever you're going to do. Are you going to give yourself time for rest and recovery afterwards? Make sure you do your warm-ups and your cool downs, you know, take regular breaks. On our website, there's a, number of blogs that our clinicians have written about things to think about when you're returning to practice and returning to playing there's also the, the healthy diary which has got a checklist in it which we used to use for people who are about to go touring but we've adapted for these times and I think that's quite a good way of you know giving yourself a just checking through what you're doing what you're not doing and where you think you ought to perhaps pay a bit more attention so if anyone listening wants to access support, what is available and how would they go about doing that? Phone our phone number or email us and we will provide a free clinical assessment with a specialist, which can then lead on to a plan for how to get better and if there are further diagnostics needed or to go onto that. If there's funding required to support more care in the independent sector then we can look at at that as well. In mental health, actually, we now provide direct access to therapists. So we do that through a contract with Help Musicians. We're very pleased to be working on this connected to the Music Minds Matter initiative. So people will know that there's a a 24-7 helpline, but also you can phone us to get an assessment and get access to structured therapy. And we have a number of therapists who are all expert in working in the performing arts as well as being clinical therapists. And what used to happen is that you would come to us, you get an assessment, you get a letter, you go to help musicians, you ask for some money, and then they say yes, you can have that. And then you go and find your own therapist and actually that possibly made your mental health a lot worse because it's quite a palaver to go through all that. What's happening now is that, you know, if you have an assessment with us and therapy is decided it would be a useful thing, then we can contract directly with one of our therapists, match them to your needs and off you go. And if there's a problem, we have an amazing new clinical lead for mental health in that pain called Anushka Tanner, who's just fantastic. And, you know, if there's anything that comes up during that time, if there's a further risk, if we need to try and connect you back into the NHS for ongoing support there, she's able to do that. So we're pleased that we've been able to offer it at a time when mental health needs are increasing. We think it's a, a more streamlined service and so far it's it's evaluating quite well. It sort of helps manage some of the risks I think that, that people are facing at the moment.
0: That was Claire Cordeau. And to find out more about the services offered by BAPAM, go to bapam.org.uk. If you're going to be performing live again soon, have you thought about how to protect your hearing? For £40 or £30 for MU members, the Hearing Health Scheme from Help Musicians offers a full audiological assessment, as well as a pair of ACS custom moulded earplugs worth at least £140. Visit hearformusicians.org.uk to find out more. Susie Green is a veritable touring and health powerhouse. She's worked with everyone from PJ Harvey to Wolf Alice and is also a trained nutritionist, so helps support artists with their health on the road. I wanted to find out more about how musicians can stay healthy when performing, as well as some of the tips and tricks she's seen from the artists she works with. If you're on tour with an artist, how do you support their health?
3: Well, primarily, my first job, obviously, is as a tour manager. I would be hired to fulfill whatever tour has been put together in a sort of economical, budget-conscious way as possible. So that's the first remit. So I'm definitely a tour manager. But my passion is, and my USP, if you like, is I'm also a qualified nutritionist. And I've done yoga teacher training. Having said that, I'm the worst yoga teacher in the world. But what I mean is I have very much an awareness about what yoga can bring to you and mindfulness around that. And I work a lot with artists and crew because I very much believe in family on tour for like the most supportive environment. And for an artist to give their best performance night after night, it has to be about a family. And that doesn't matter if it's six people on the road or 40 people on the road. I really believe in that. So that's always the kind of ethos I try and bring to my touring with my various other strange skill sets. Do you ever
0: see issues if any of the artists you've worked with have taken career breaks? PJ Harvey,
3: being an obvious one, she takes big gaps between her records. Marina Diamandis, so Marina and Diamonds, she hadn't toured in about, hadn't done anything in about three, four years when we went out just before COVID shut everything down. And people take career breaks for different reasons. But quite often, it seems to me anyway, that unofficially people take career breaks just because they've had enough and they need to normalize and just kind of recalibrate and I think when you've taken any type of break at all it takes some thought to decide to want to come back and quite often that means wanting to do something in a slightly different way to how you did it before or a better way whatever better is and I think that's what's happening to our industry as a whole we've all stopped And I think a lot of people have real anxiety about going back. And definitely some people have been thinking, I don't want to go back and do things in exactly the same way I used to. I want to try and do something better. And I guess the last thing to add to that is I took 10 years off the road and came back to it. And I left touring because I'd burnt out. And that thing that I really loved, that magic of working with musicians and live music had almost become something I hated and resented. And I realized I can't do this job anymore feeling like that. So I came off the road and that's when actually I started retraining and doing various other, the nutrition and things, and then ended up coming back to touring 10 years later. I'd done various things in the interim. I did a lot of summer festival work, and but just less of that long periods, you know, away from home. And then I came back to it because an artist who actually, strangely, was looking for someone like me who had lots of weird skills to try and tour in a kind of a bit, sort of, a bit of a gentler way. And that's what brought me back to touring. And... The strange thing was, I never thought when I left touring and went and studied nutrition that that world could cross over into the music industry at all. And I think 10 years ago, there was no crossover. Five years ago, there was starting to be a crossover. And now, after this pandemic, I think there's so much focus on wellness and mental health and just trying to do things in a more physically, mentally sustainable way. So you can come back. So, a lot of people listening might think, gosh, it'd be
0: amazing to have someone like Susie on tour with them who could help, you know, put healthy strategies in place. But for a lot of people, obviously, this isn't necessarily possible. What advice do you have for people who are returning to live performance? Maybe they're quite nervous about it and they want to find ways that they can have a really kind of healthy return to
3: touring and live performance generally. Have you got any advice? I suppose, number one, think about it before you go. Decide what it is you need to get through this experience and stay in as good kind of condition as you can. So whether if you have a manager, whether that's discussing with your manager a little bit about, look, I can only do maximum two hours promo you know, in the major cities, whether it's yeah. trying to decide some of your boundaries before you go, that's not always possible. If you're well, wherever you're at, whether you're up and coming and eager and hungry, but it's sort of at least trying to have some awareness of what you think you need, whether that's one, at least one decent meal a day that you get to eat off a proper plate with a knife and fork. <laughs> Which, if you've never toured, you might think, "What on earth are you talking about?" <laughs> if you've toured, you you were thinking, yeah, right? Oh God, another polystyrene box and another takeaway. But also I think it's sometimes if you're trying to, for example, especially if you're on stage and there's so much pressure about how you look and staying in shape and keeping your stamina up. So you might be trying to keep up some kind of exercise regime. So if you can buddy up with someone and great, if it's someone who's on the tour that you're on, you know that, okay, twice a week, we're going to actually find time to go out for a run or we're going to carry yoga mats with us and find an empty dressing room and, you know, find an online yoga with Adrienne or or whoever and do an online yoga session. But if you've got someone else that's doing it with you, you're much more likely to do it. And if you're on your own, and I know this is a big thing, you know, sometimes you're the lone person trying to look after yourself and everyone else is drinking Jack Daniels and living on Haribo. You can still... Look after yourself. And it might mean that you need a check in person who isn't on your tour, but someone who's a mate or some professional that you've worked with before, but that you have similar values and you check in on each other. And that's totally doable. And then the other thing is, we've, um so I do a lot of work with a group of kind of tour and production managers called the Tour Production Group. And we've been running a lot of kind of educational Zooms on various different things on how to make touring better. And We've written a mental health charter for touring and it's a one-page downloadable document. And it's got just some really simple tips in there that any tour can pick up that doesn't impact budget for the most part. It's things like having a go-to person on the tour if anyone's got an issue, not just the person in charge, but you know, again, depending on how big your tour is, various people scattered about, who could you can confidentially talk to. It's about when you have a day off, scheduling some fun things that you can do together. And it's such a bonding experience. I mean, it might you might be on a tour where everyone hates each other and you, you know, see you on Friday and everyone shuts the door to their yeah. hotel room and that's that. But all the better if, you know, they're like, hey, I did it with one band. We went zip lining, you know, just things that are fun. And it doesn't always, again, have to revolve drinking. I think it's all about trying to have inclusive experiences in those little bits of time off as well. So whether that's a meal out and everyone's invited, the crew, the band, it's just great when you make the effort to do things like that.
0: We've heard a lot within the industry recently about how we can return to touring in a much more healthy and sustainable way. Do you think this is a realistic proposition. And also, have you noticed anything already from the artists and the teams that you're working with in the way that they're preparing the tours?
3: A lot of this is artist-led because if it comes from the artist, it's much more likely to be something that then is included. I think if you're an artist, having the confidence to say, you know what, I can only do four shows in a row and then I have to have a day off. That takes some confidence to do that. And obviously then you're always up against budgets and routings and Mm -hmm. all the other variables that come in, but it's deciding your boundaries, I think. And also surrounding yourself with people that align with the kind of tour experience you want to be on. So if you are trying to look after yourself, if you are trying to, you don't want to end the night on the half a bottle of Jack Daniels route that actually... You try and have a team recruited, and whether you know, again, depending on who you are, whether it's someone you're involved with hiring your crew, or if it's something your management are doing. But saying, "I want these kind of people around me," mm-hmm. and surrounding yourself with the people that most align with your values, mm-hmm. I think that's really important, and that's how change will come about. But it it almost has to come in some ways from the artist. But I know for fact, again, sort of back to this peer group I've been running which everyone is welcome to come to. We meet every Wednesday, always free. We've got a lot of crew and we've got performers as well. And I know from, we've had about a thousand people involved in that group in some way or other in the past year. That's all people that want to do things in a better way. So I know, fact, there are plenty of people out there that want to try and bring these principles into touring. Not everyone Looks on it as sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There's enough people that realize that actually, if you really want to give your best show and be in this business long enough to to, and continue to, to stay well, then actually, at some point, you have to look after yourself. I've talked about this peer group we're running, and I was very lucky enough to receive cultural recovery funding, which is the government's kind of help for small businesses, you know, in the arts. To get through the pandemic and survive, and part of what they're funding is I'm running three upcoming workshops in kind of resilience skills, and therefore anyone that has a connection to touring, and I really believe there's certain life skills that you can bring to touring that will make your day better, which will mean your experience will be better, and you're less likely to fall over and you know the wheels fall off. So there's three upcoming workshops. They're completely free. They're on Eventbrite. The first one is mindfulness for touring. That's very much about little stress techniques for when the pressure is on and your day is getting a bit heated. There's things that you can do that just take a few minutes just to kind of bring down your nervous system and calm down. And also very much with a view to when you step off stage at the end of the night, if you're a performer or you're a crew person, you've just done a really physical loadout of winding down your nervous system, you know, in a healthier way than resorting to four or five beers plus, Um, but winding down your nervous system so that you can actually get a good night's sleep. The second one is about boundaries, which is very much really becomes blurred touring. You know, you're stuck with this bunch of people, (laughs) like them will loathe them. And it can get really blurred, the relationships of working relationships and friendship relationships between management and artists and crew. And so it's very much around that and deciding what you need, you know, to maintain your sense of self. And then the last one is about getting best possible sleep and techniques to deal with jet lag, which is obviously a massive thing when you travel a lot.
0: Thank you so much to Lauren, Claire and Susie for speaking to me. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me, Lucy Heyman. Lauren, Claire and Susie all feature in my new book focusing on health and well-being for musicians, co-written with Rhianne Jones. If you want to find out more, it's called Sound Advice and it's available at soundadvicebook.com, where we also have a free online directory of health, well-being and business resources for musicians. So do check those out. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thank you so much for your support over this series. What a year it's been. Good luck for those of you who have shows booked in the diary. And don't forget, if at any point you need help, get in touch
3: with BAPAM. Take care and we'll be with you again soon.